John chapter 3 and welcome again everyone and uh, you know what we do as a church is we meet on the beach but um, hopefully uh, coming up pretty soon within the next month or two um, we're gonna be able to get our own building and we'll have a, a spot to meet on Sunday mornings and a bunch of other times but as I've said before we're never gonna stop meeting on the beach here the only time we don't meet is when uh, it's raining or some other natural disaster um, but it'll be nice to have a building too, so please keep us in prayer for that. And pray for uh, Michael and Scarlett and their family as they're away. Michael's one of the other pastors here at the church. And uh, Josiah is an, another one of the pastors here. And uh, did you clap for Josiah? Clap for Josiah. Man. Woo. Yeah, some hollers. You got some hollers? Dang. I don't even get hollers. <laughs> You don't like the word holler? What is it, shouts? Anyway, John chapter 3, let's take a few minutes and just study the Bible together. We believe that the Bible is the Word of God, the inspired Word of God. And, uh, you know, I could get up here and say a lot of things that I think and my own opinions and talk about, you know, who knows what. But there's nothing more valuable than hearing from God. And that's what the Word of God is, the Bible. It's God speaking to us. And my job is simply to present it the best that I can by the help of the Holy Spirit and also to see how we can apply it to our lives. And God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has been working in people's lives for a long time. In fact, I've been, I love church history. I love history in general, but I've been listening to this, uh, it's a podcast of church history. And my daughter Liana makes fun of me because I listen to it at speed and a half. Because then you can listen to it you can get more information in a shorter time. Amen? <laughs> Sounds a little bit like a chipmunk, but whatever. Chipmunk doing church history. And uh, just hearing about, you know, from a thousand years ago, you know, two thousand years ago, even a couple hundred years ago, just God has been working in people's lives dramatically and incredibly. And we're just a small part of that. We get to be a small part of his work. And I, I've just been so thankful for that lately. But the one thing that, you know, as you study church history, especially revivals and how God works at certain times in a big way, a bigger way than normal, you notice something is uh, the same about every revival. There's a couple of things. And this isn't a message about revival. It's a message about being born again. But the things that impress upon me about every revival in church history is there's always a, uh, there's actually always a sadness for sin, either for the oneself or for a nation. Um, there's a renewed uh, focus on God, the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit. And then another thing that I noticed, there's probably more, but what I noticed is there's a return to God's Word, the authority of God's Word. People come back to, the, back to God, back to the working of the Holy Spirit, and then back to the Word of God. And that's what we want to be about. Keep it simple. John chapter 3, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night and he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Okay, now if you've studied in the New Testament, especially the Gospels, and if in fact you've been with us in our study of John, we started in John chapter 1, we're studying through a little bit every week. Then you know that this was a leader of the Jews, the uh, Pharisees. 
you know that they did not all believe that Jesus had come from God, did they? In fact, they're the ones that turned him over to be crucified because they didn't believe he came from God. Now Nicodemus, he's coming at Jesus and saying, I know that we know that you've come from God because no one can do the works that you do unless God is with him. So he's kind of speaking on his own. And the fact he came at night, well, I'm going to see the significance of that in a second, but let's read on. And Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? So Nicodemus was like, this is unscientific. <laughs> this is a, you can't do that. So this must be a lie. And Jesus clarifies. Jesus answered, verse 5, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless he's born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. He said, the wind blows where it wishes, you can't hear the sound of it but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? So you can get the picture here that this guy is a genuine, he has real questions. I love it when people have genuine questions for Christians. Say that five times fast. Genuine questions for Christians. That's twice. Speed and a half. <laughs> I love it when people have genuine questions. Why? Because there's a lot of people that don't have genuine questions. A lot of people ask questions because they want you to look like a fool or for you to be wrong. They want to debate with you or argue with you, not in order to learn, but in order to kind of prove their point. I'm not a, I'm, I don't like confrontation. You know, I know some people love debate and, and, you know, going through all this stuff. I'm not that kind of a guy. But I do love when someone has a genuine question about God, even if it's a hard one. I think that's really healthy and important. And I've, for too long, you know, the church has said, you know, don't ask. Just you just don't ask those questions. Just believe what we tell you, right? So you got a high, a high school group, and they're asking these hard questions. And then, you know, they come to the leaders. They say, you know, this and that question, and they say, don't. You just have to trust us on this. You know, don't ask. But I think it's good to ask the questions. That's what Nicodemus is doing. He's saying he's asking these questions. He didn't understand what Jesus was saying. And to be honest, it was a little bit difficult what he was saying as well. And Jesus answered and said to him, verse 10, Are you the teacher of Israel and you don't know these things? Okay. So this was a little bit of a, last week we saw the turning over the tables. All right. That was kind of like uh, Jesus kind of showing a little bit of his authority. And in fact, they asked him, what authority do you have? And he said, the resurrection. That's last week. And so now he's kind of doing a little jab at the religious leader, Nicodemus. Even though Nicodemus was on the right path, Jesus is really bringing a question to him. You're the teacher of Israel. You're the one that's supposed to be leading people to God, and you don't know the first thing about God's son, Jesus Christ. And, but he, he, uh, he tells him, Verse 11, Most assuredly I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven. That's the Son of Man who is in heaven. He's talking about himself. Verse 14, he says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. 
that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Oh man, this next verse look, looks familiar. You recognize it? Have you ever heard of John 3.16? Here he is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the context of that verse, this conversation with a guy that was questioning Jesus and how to be saved, really. So it's interesting. Verse 17, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. I love verse 17. I wish people would quote 16 and 17 when they quote it. 16 is the best, obviously. You know, God loves the world, and that's why he sent his son Jesus to die for our sins. But 17 says that the purpose of Jesus' coming was not to condemn the world, but to save the world. That's the first mission. Now, there will be some who are condemned. What does it say in verse 18? He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who practicing evil hates the light. He does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. You know what's crazy? God, Jesus didn't come to the world to condemn the world. I mean, there's a lot of Christians running around. We're talking about fire and brimstone preaching. You know, okay, I love some of those old school fire and brimstone. I've been listening to the church history, I told you. And they, it sounds really funny, some of their sermons at speed and a half. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie to you. But so, I love some of those old sermons that are just, you know, um, talking about the reality of uh, judgment and this and that. But listen, God's first priority is saving people. His heart is not condemning and judging people. And sometimes I'm afraid I've been guilty of this. That's how come I know. Sometimes I'm afraid we as Christians are more excited about people getting judged than we are about people getting saved. Because it's not easy to be a Christian in this day and age and stand up for the truth. Do you guys agree with me on that one? We, we can get discriminated against, even in our wonderful country, United States of America. You know, there's a lot of talk. I'm not going to go down a rabbit trail. Don't worry about it. But there's a lot of talk about, you know, being equality and everybody loving each other and all these rights. But when it comes time for rights for Christians, they're not there as much anymore as they used to be. Let's be honest with it. And so it's easy for us to say, well, we know we're of the truth and you guys are going to be judged and you guys are going to get what you deserve and this and that. So it's easy. I've been there. It's easy for us to have an attitude of, you know, put up your fist. We're going to see who's going to win this one. We are. Because God's going to come and, you know, it's like, uh, it's like the brothers, uh, James and John. They rejected Jesus and his followers 2,000 years ago. They were walking out of the city. What did, James, what did James and John say to Jesus? Do you guys remember? <laughs> Pastor Josiah, he's smiling. He knows. Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven and destroy them? You know, because they, they're mocking you. Don't mock Jesus. Don't mock. You see someone making fun of Christianity. You see someone making fun of Jesus. Making, do you, Lord, and that's how we are too. Okay, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven and consume them? Jesus said to them, you don't know what kind of spirit you have. What does that mean? 
It means if you have the Holy Spirit, you don't want them to burn up with fire. You want them to burn up with the Holy Spirit and be saved. How, how do people see that Jesus was the truth? Okay, when he was dying on the cross, that was weak, right? Gods don't die on crosses. That's what they were saying about him. If you're the Son of Man, save yourself. He was dying on the cross. And when he died, he gave up the Spirit. It was dark, and there was thunder. It was an earthquake. And then do you remember what the one uh, soldier said? When he saw that act of weakness and humility and sacrifice, literal sacrifice, Surely this was the Son of God. The Bible says in the book of Romans, it says a lot of other things. I know you guys are studying Romans. Uh, Shoreline's doing Romans on Sunday morning, verse by verse. But the Bible says in Romans that it's His kindness that leads us to repentance. Why do I come to God? I don't come to someone that's going to, you know, smack me. I come to Him because I know He loves me in spite of what I deserve to be smacked. Okay, we just got a puppy. Praise the Lord. Puppies are cute. Raise your hand if you think puppies are cute. Raise your hand if you hate animals. <laughs> but the puppy is cute, but the puppy doesn't always obey the master. I'm the master. And I have my uh, you know, co-leadership in my house, my wife and kids. <laughs> And we're, we're, the dog is not the master, but the, do, the puppy, though cute, thinks it's the master. So I've learned this. I've been watching YouTube about how to train puppies because I, I know most everything, but just, just to freshen up, you know. You know what YouTube says? When the puppy does something bad, let's say it goes to the bathroom in the house. You know, when, I was, when we were younger, we used to drag the dog over. You know the drill, right? And you hit the dog, and you shout at the dog, you don't do this anymore. And the, the Internet says, you, you may not realize it, but you can actually, the puppy will do what you want more when you, you know, don't do that to it. Because why? Because now every time you start to talk to the dog, it goes, right? You're like, oh, I just want to pet you. And they're like, you just want to pet me? You just hit me. <laughs> I don't really, I never hit the dog in case the dog abuse people are coming. He abused the dog. That's what he said. I heard him. But I, I do, I've been doing this, and who does the puppy love? Lynn and Liana, who does the puppy love? Okay. It's still itself. Jesus, that's the right answer. That's always the right answer. When you're out there talking and saying, you know, God did not come to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved, our message is you can come to God. He's not going to strike you with lightning, even though you deserve it. You understand what I'm saying? When we represent God as being angry with people, then people are going to be like the dog and just hide under the bed. Are you guys following me on this one? That's why Jesus says he didn't come to condemn, but to save. That's why when the woman caught in adultery, he says, you throw the first stone at her if you're without sin. Why? Because we all are sinners. And we all need his grace. And as soon as we start to show unlovingness or ungracious attitude toward others, we are guilty of a greater sin, I think, misrepresenting the heart of God. 
Jesus says there is a condemnation. It doesn't mean that we ignore it, but what it means is this. People are going to be condemned, not because God came to condemn them, but because when God came to save them, they chose to walk in darkness instead of the light. That's on them. If God says, I want you to come to me and be saved and receive this gift, and you don't do it and you run the other way, even though you know that that gift is going to be eternal life, but you want to live for yourself and live in darkness and live in sin, that's on you, not on God. And, there, and really, I've heard this before, and I, I agree with it. God isn't sending anyone to hell. They're making the choice to go there on their own. Because he's done everything except for breaking our the freedom of our will that we've been given. He's done everything possible, even sending his own son to die for our sins in our place so that we could be saved. And if we don't get saved, that's on us, not God. For he loves the world. He loves the world. And the world hates him. But he still loves the world. That's why John 3.16 is so popular, by the way. Because that's the message. God loves us. Okay, let's learn three things quickly and then we'll, be, we'll, we'll sing some, uh, another song. Let's learn a couple of applications. What we're talking about here is new life. When he says, be born again, now we're not going into the details. This isn't going to be a deep theological study on what it means to be born again and how all this works. You know, we, we covered a lot of ground. We covered 21 verses. But I just want to point out a couple of things. This whole talk with Nicodemus about being born again, it all centers around one thing, and that is new life. New life. Everybody wants and needs new life. And those of us who are Christians, we want to constant flow of new life or fresh life into our hearts and, and lives okay so here's a couple of principles if you say what can i take away from this talk this would be for nicodemus obviously as he's the recipient of the, the conversation but let's apply it to us number one number one you want that new life newness of life for the first time maybe just a refresher this is the application. Number one, um, you need to risk. You need to risk your reputation. Why do I say that? This is from the scripture. Nicodemus, the Bible says, came to Jesus by night. Let me ask you something. Why did just why did Nicodemus come to Jesus by night, by himself? Hi, birds. I'm like uh, Saint Francis of Assisi. I just listened about him. The bird. Oh, they just left. Never mind. See, the YouTube is paying off. I'm being nice to the animals. My goodness. I miss the sunset. You know, <laughs> yeah, Nicodemus. Why did he come at night? He didn't want his friends to see him. He wanted to be able to sneak in there because there was something in him that he was starting to see this Jesus. He might be telling the truth. He came at night so his friends didn't see why. His reputation. Now, that's okay. But there will come a time when you have to choose between Jesus Christ and your reputation. Especially, I'm telling you guys, in our world we live in right now, I think there's going to be, there's already division and separation, but I think there's going to be division along the lines of 
Do you stand for the truth of God and Jesus Christ or not? And there's going to be uh, problems that come because of it. Man, church history is good because I got so many. I just listened to uh, um, Ridley and Latimer. They were in the, the Church of England back in the day. These guys were literally burned at the stake for standing up for the simple gospel of Christ. So I'm not saying that we're, you know, that's good. Look, we're on a beach. We have freedom now. But I'm telling you, there's going to be a point in time, just like with Nicodemus. He came, he snuck in there. He asked the questions. He believed. And there's going to be a, come a time when your reputation is put on the line. Will you follow Christ or will you care what others think? I got some good news about Nicodemus. You know he's in the book of John again? You guys know that? Nicodemus is seen at the end of the book of John. When? After Jesus is crucified, before the resurrection even, before the display of power, Joseph of Arimathea and some others took the body of Jesus to, come to me, bird, took the body, body of Jesus to the tomb, Joseph's tomb, and then the man who came publicly and donated the spices and the things that they would put, the embalming stuff for the tomb, guess who it was? Nicodemus. He was putting his reputation, he had gotten to the point, he started off timid, you know, is this true? And I don't want my friends to know, to the place where he was saying, I don't care if you know or not, I believe, even though he was crucified, I believe this is the Savior, the Messiah, and he put his reputation out there publicly, and his money, by the way, to provide for the burial. That's Nicodemus. So he turned out all right. But number one, risk, risk your reputation. This is why a lot of people don't go any further with God, because they're more concerned about what other people think about them than what God thinks about them. That's the truth. Number two, his people. His people, if they desire to see new life, not only do they risk their reputation, but they fix their ignorance. What does that mean? Well, in a very literal sense, ignorance means lack of knowledge. I'm not saying like an ignorant person, you know, you say, but literally they don't know. Nicodemus asked so many questions. And Jesus said, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus was talking about the Spirit and the Spirit revealing things to you and being born again of the Spirit. So Nicodemus understood something about himself. He didn't know. All he knew from an old song I used to listen to, all I know is that I don't know nothing. That's, a, that's lyrics to a song. That's Nicodemus. He said, I, all I know is I don't know what you're talking about. And here's the application, I think. Not only your reputation put on the line, you're saying, yes, okay. But also, let's humble ourselves and admit, I don't know everything there is to know. Especially for us pastors. We've got Pilgrim here. We've got myself here. Michael may listen later. Josiah's here. Some other leaders here probably. Especially for us who've been doing it for a long time, studying the Bible. Listen, we don't know everything. There's discovery to be made. And as soon as you think you got it all under control, you know everything there is to know. There's no more discovery for you. That's when your life starts to be stifled. God wants you to explore more and more every, every time. There, the depths and the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, His ways past finding out. There's always more to learn. All right? 
So don't get stuck saying, I know it all already. I've read the Bible twice. <laughs> and then finally, um, number three, make a choice. Make a choice. Why? Because there will be some condemned and some not condemned. And I, I already started on this. I actually started with the preaching part of it. I couldn't wait until the end. Did you notice that? At the beginning, I started preaching about being born again and, you know, the condemnation and, you know, people go to hell. It's because they choose to go there. God's done everything possible to save them. Do you remember the beginning of the message? Okay, I, I, I'm confessing. I made a little bit of a uh, mistake because that was supposed to be at the end. It was going to be a powerful ending. Many would come to the Lord. But we did it at the beginning. That's okay. That's all right. <laughs> This is church on the beach. Things don't normally go as they're designed to go. The important thing is this. A choice has to be made because with Nicodemus, as with us, the message was heard. You must be born again. It doesn't say you must be a Christian or you must go to church or you must attend a church. You, you must pray this many times. You must be born again. Something must happen on the inside that changes your life or else you will never enter in to the kingdom of heaven. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's our message. That's our mission. There's, guys, it's getting to be nighttime right now. There's Nicodemuses out there. This week, there's Nicodemuses. I guarantee you, people are, and you may, you got to open your eyes because I miss them all the time. I miss the Nicodemuses because people are like, oh, yeah. I just had this a couple weeks ago, actually. Hey, you know, just asking little questions, kind of like, you know, being polite, but they want to know, what is it? What is it about you guys? What is it about your church? What is it about your faith? There are Nicodemuses out there, and uh, we've, got a, we've got a job to do. All right, close this out, Pastor Pilgrim. Awesome.